Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for the word this morning. I thank you for your people. And I pray that as we share the word, it will go from the pages of this Bible into the hearts of men. And I thank you that breakthrough will take place. Chains will be broken and lives will be changed as a result of your word. And I ask that they will hear your voice and not my voice. And as I back up, I pray that the Holy Spirit will step up and minister life to everyone who's here in Jesus' name. Can everybody, everybody say amen? amen? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This message this morning is so important, and the lesson that I did at men's ministry is so important that I am going to do a special on the spot. I'm going to have today's message and the men's ministry message for sale for seven bucks. Normally the CDs are $5 a piece, but these two messages are so important that if you will buy two, you, you can get them for seven. Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. So I'm excited to discuss a topic that I believe every person needs to hear. This message is so powerful that it is necessary even for people who are not even believers. So what subject is so important that it needs to be heard by all kinds of people? Well, if you're taking notes today, you want to write down today's topic, and it is overcoming past hurts. Overcoming past hurts. Now, let me show you how important this message is. How many here in this room have ever been hurt in some way in your past? Let me see. Look how many hands we have up. And if you didn't raise your hand, the possibilities are you were the herder. <laughs> so if you have your Bibles, if you would, please find Psalm 147, verses 1, and then Luke chapter 4, verses 18. I'll say those again. Psalm 147, verses 1 through 3, and then Luke chapter 4, verses 18. I'm going to make this message today very crystal clear and plain with an action plan at the end because most people don't know that when you harbor pain, it hinders your growth. Amen. So the first point that I want you to write down this morning, and, and uh, we should have the notes on the screen, is pain can be emotional or spiritual. Pain can be emotional and or physical. In Psalm 147, I'm going to point out these two types of pain in this one verse. It says, praise you the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God. For it is pleasant and praise is comely. Verse 2. The Lord does build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcast of Israel. Watch verse 3. He heals the who? Come on class. Who? The broken in heart. He heals the broken in heart. That's the emotional. 
and he binds up their wounds that can be physical. Now go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. I want to show you these same two principles or where pain can come from so that we can at least start out by seeing where the origin of pain can start. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. This is a very powerful scripture. And this is part of one of Jesus' uh, sermons that he started his ministry off with. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, this is Jesus talking, to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, let me just throw this in. What is the gospel to the poor? What do you think that would be? Good news, that's what the word gospel means. So if the gospel, he was preaching it to the poor, the only message that can be is you don't have to be poor. Don't you think that's good news to a poor person? Amen. He sent me to heal the what? The brokenhearted. To preach deliverance. The brokenhearted is physical. Preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those that have been what? Bruised. That can be in and out. And watch this now. I'm going to stop that verse right there because the word brokenhearted means to break into pieces. It also means to break into shivers. So when he said he came to heal the brokenhearted, he's talking about healing someone who literally has been broken to pieces. Now, just so you'll know, typically man cannot help you when you've bro been broken in that way. It takes a spiritual thing that makes that work. In Revelations, just write it down, chapter 2, verse 27, it says, And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers. That word shivers is the same word brokenhearted. So we're talking about people or situations where people have been broken into shivers. Now, What's interesting is, and here's another word for that word brokenhearted. Remember the lady that broke the alabaster box to anoint Jesus with the oil that she had? Well, when you read it, the Bible says she broke and anointed Jesus' feet. The word broken there is the same word for the word that we're talking about here, which is brokenhearted. Now, the word bruised that he used is defined by the Bible as crushed. You ever been crushed before? Now, I'm not talking about having a crush on somebody. And they didn't like you and you were crushed. I'm talking about where something happened and it crushed you. Maybe you trusted someone and they violated their trust. Bruise means to crush. And here's what's interesting about that word bruised. It was now the, the English word bruised is used several times in the New Testament. But this particular Greek word was only used one time, and that's when Jesus said it right here in Luke chapter 4. So watch this now. Physical pain seems sometimes to ease your deal with depending on what happened and how it happened. For instance, uh, I have a uh, when we were in New York, they had scaffolding up where the hotel when you came out. And there was like a bolt sticking out and, and I scraped my arm and it scraped the skin off. It hurt, but 
you know, it, it's not going to cause me to, to be brokenhearted or to be broken in shivers. It and I already grew a scab back, and I don't even really know it's there unless, you know, Landon points it out. Okay, so some things that happen to you, they're not going to really make a toll on your life. And uh, what's interesting is sometimes, though, there are traumatic things that we go through. Let's say a car accident, and it left you with a physical injury where your arm or a limb was actually lost. Then that can take a toll on you, not only physically, but also emotionally. Can you agree with me on that? Now, uh, you all may not know this. Uh, Bruce, if you would come up here, I, I just want to share something. Uh, some of you all who, who have gone through counseling with me may know this, but uh, when I was in the seventh grade, my mom had cooked some food, and one particular item that she cooked was some cornbread. Now, if you knew my wife, my mom's cornbread, it was that Jiffy cornbread. How many know about Jiffy? Oh, yeah. Jiffy was slightly sweet, so it was a, almost like cake, but it was actually cornbread. So I had eaten up my cornbread, and I was going to the oven to get me some more. I went to the oven, and uh, it wasn't, you know, uh, remember now, I was kind of growing tall at that point, but uh, when I stuck my hand in the oven, you know that little iron that gets hot inside? I raised my arm up too fast. And I have a long strip burned right here on my right hand. Now, that happened to me in the seventh grade. Now, Bruce, I just want you to touch that. Touch it. You think it hurt? No. Touch it harder then. You, you think that hurt? No. Uh, why don't you think it hurt, Bruce? Because it's already healed over. Well, say it again. It's healed over. It's already what? Healed. It's healed over. Now, couldn't you all agree with that? Amen. All right. Thank you, Bruce. You all give Bruce a big hand right there. It does not hurt because it's healed. Guess what? Even though it's healed, and I don't think about it at all most of the time, only when I want to tell a story, I can give you all the details of what happened when it happened to me. In other words, when it happened to me, it was painful. But even though the event was painful to me then, I have no pain now, even though I remember all of the incidents. Which says that you can go through a traumatic situation and remember what happened and have no pain. Because if God can do it in the physical, then why can't he do it in the spiritual? Are you all with me this morning? However, when the pain starts on the outside and affects the inside, this is where emotional pain starts. Let's say your spouse was unfaithful in your marriage. How many know that can be painful? Let's say you were verbally abused and it damaged your self-esteem. How many know that can be painful? Let's say uh, you were offended by what someone did. And when it happened, even though they didn't do it on purpose, it still hurt because it was an offense. So here's the question that I have for you this morning. How do you get from a past hurt? Look at your neighbor and say, that's a good question. How do you get free 
from past hurts? I think the only way to answer this question is by understanding what happens to us when an emotional pain is experienced. So this leads me to my second point if you want to take notes. And that is pain can prevent you or push you. Pain can prevent you or it can push you. And in most people's lives when they don't know how to handle emotional pain, it typically prevents them. Let's say that, that uh, you had a terrible upbringing. Now it prevents you from trusting. Amen? So, and then I want you to put in your notes, the word push there, I have an acronym which means push you with the letter U, push you so high. In other words, you can let a pain prevent you or push you so high. It doesn't have to push you down. You can actually let it push you up. And the only way you can do that, if you really believe that whatever happens to you, God is going to work it out for your good. If it's going to work out for my good, then it's actually pushing me up and not pushing me down. Can you say amen to that? Let me tell you a story because one thing the enemy tries to do, he tries to inflict pain to stop us from pursuing God's purpose for our lives. I've never said this uh, in public, but I'm going to say it now because it happened years ago when we first started our church. But there was a couple that helped us when we were starting our church, and this couple was pretty successful, and uh, the wife was very controlling. She, only, she not only wanted to control her husband, she wanted to control me. She wanted to control word of truth. Well, how many know she wasn't a pastor? So I remember one time, you know, and, and, and you got to watch your, your motive when it comes to how, when you give. This is why I don't know what people give because I'm not going to treat anybody different and I'm not going to let you make me treat you different just because I may know. So at the time, though, I had to know what people were giving because I was part of that process because our church was so small. Well, that, that couple gave a, a good sum of money. I mean, they, they, they were significant givers, and because they were, she decided she wanted to be the one to manage the church, church checkbook. Well, at first, I didn't have a problem with it because I'm like, well, I'll just tell her when, I, when we need to write a check. So I remember we, we needed to purchase the sound equipment for the church. We were moving down from a Bible study into our first school, and we needed to purchase sound equipment. And she said, well, why don't you just go to the pawn shop? How many know that's a poverty mindset? What happens when it breaks? You think the pawn shop is going to take it back? No. And at that point, I said, this is not going to work. Well, I took all control that she thought she had away how many know she got upset so they decided they wanted to sue the church to get their tithe money back now let me just explain something about pastor evan there is a pastor side of me and there is a hood side of me and i guess she thought i was gonna get scared when she said she was gonna sue me or sue the church and my little 22 that helped us start was, <laughs> Pastor, just give the money back. Just give it back. And I was like, if I give it back, I have to give everybody's money back. If 
after you give it, it's not yours anymore. So the pastor side of me said, first of all, I don't even want them cursed by trying to get back God's money. The hood side of me said, well, I'm not going to give it back. I'm going to fight you with your own money in court. How many know it never worked? They tried to, 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 to serve me. It didn't work. And finally, they just dropped it and they let it go. But let me tell you what the devil was trying to do to me. He was trying to get me to not trust people. Oh, we've had an incident where people have stolen money from the church. Yeah, it happens sometimes. And uh, not a lot here, but, you know, people try to steal. And here's my philosophy. God's not going to allow something I'm not doing to happen without me knowing it. Amen. I'm not sleeping around. He's going to help me see who he is. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm talking about like on my staff and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Not y'all. Y'all tell me anyway y'all doing it. So. <laughs> Got to make sure my staff stay right, you know. But uh, if I'm not stealing and I'm not and never will, you think God's going to let you steal and get away? The whole time, the enemy was trying to get me to stop trusting people. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think our church would be this large and this successful if I would have stopped trusting people? No, because I have to trust people to love God. I have to trust people to sing. I have to trust people to lead. I have to trust people to usher. I have to trust people to greet. I have to trust people to work with the kids. I have to, I have to trust people. That's all part of it. But see, what happens is most people start focusing on the people instead of keeping their focus on God. Because when you're serving God, you're, watch this, you're doing it as unto the Lord and not to man anyway. Because my, my reward is not going to come from you. My reward is going to come from God. So I maintain my look up and not my look out, and it helped me to keep trusting people. Are you all with me so far? Okay, so there are four ways in which we can respond to pain, which, is, which comes in the form of either negative situations or negative feelings toward people. Here's one of the first responses, is that we can just cover it up. This is where we know there's a problem, but it's easier to sweep it under the rug or put what I call an emotional band-aid on it Hoping that time will fix it. Do you know in the natural that's like putting a band-aid on cancer and hoping the band-aid will heal it? However, this only results, in my opinion, in negative behavior which usually causes consistent response ending with a victim's mentality. So when people who tend to cover up pain, they end up taking on a victim's mentality. And every time you talk to them, it's what somebody else has done to them. Here's the second one. It's coping. In other words, when people uh, uh, experience pain, they tend to cope with it. And this is having a full awareness of these negative feelings so that you can live in some form of peace. What you do, 
you decide, okay, I'm just going to cope with it, which gives you a false sense of peace, and then you create and design coping strategies. Let me give you some coping strategies. You start blaming. You start suffering silently. You just shut down. Look at your neighbor and say, are you shut down right now? You disengage. And this can happen on, on a marital level. You just disengage out of your marriage. And this is where people stay married for the kids' sake. Or maybe one of your coping strategies is that, is that you don't go home. You don't get close to others. You become a runner. You become a loner. Oh, I'm just, oh, all of my friends are men. I, I, I don't know why I can't get along with women. This is a lady talking. And, and if you're a man, it, it, you know, your, your mama controls your life and you can't even have a decent relationship. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a mama's boy? <laughs> Here's the third coping strategy. Is that people crave. This is where I substitute anything that temporarily eases the pain and keeps my mind off of the feelings or the problem. This can exist, but here's what people do when they're craving or substituting something to temporarily ease the pain. Some people crave food. Some people crave drugs. Some people crave sex. Some people jump from relationship to relationships. It's quiet, ain't it? <laughs> it's quiet in here. Sometimes this also includes becoming involved in adulterous activity. You know, you got cheated on, so you decided when you got married, you don't know that you have a cheater's mentality now. Okay, we'll just move on to the next one. Here's the last C is you become, uh, you get to the point where you want to confront the problem. And this is where you and I stop functioning in denial and we face the facts head on and we decide by our own will to allow God to expose our pain and let us, let him heal us. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So how do we get from the pain that others may have caused? That's a question to now lead us into our third point. And that is, we have to choose, watch this, to renew or choose to remember. I'm going to say that again. When it comes to pain, we either choose to renew or we choose to remember. See, if I chose to remember this burn and how bad it hurt when it happened, and all the different things that I had to go through and walk with my arm up and keep it band-aid and, and all the... If I had to remember that, guess what? I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be emotionally healed today, but I would be physically healed. That's why some people, listen, they could have been divorced 25 years and they still talk about their ex every day. They have been divorced physically for 25 years, but still have been married emotionally for 25 years. You either choose to renew or choose to remember. And I'm going to explain that. See, another way we can look at this is to see that pain uh, takes place in a person's soul. Everybody say soul. And your soul is your mind, 
your will, your thoughts, and how you feel. Everybody say your mind, your will, your thoughts, and how you feel. All those areas consist of your soul. Remember, man is three parts. We are spirit, we are soul, and we are body. The body is what houses your spirit, and your soul is what makes you a, a, you know, a creative person. In other words, people don't think like you and be like you. The soul part of you is where you think. It's where you, it's where you, uh, it's where you imagine. It's your thoughts and it's your will. It's where you decide and make decisions from. So watch this. Our soul can either help us or hinder us. Now turn over to second, uh, third John 2. Third John 2. I could actually quote this verse, but I want you to see it. Because I don't think most of us have seen that pain, when it has come, the only way that we can deal with it is when we go into our soul realm and fix it. Now, what's interesting is God has made our own bodies to heal itself. So, on the spiritual side, God has designed us to heal as well or on the emotional side. But there are things that we have to do on the soulless side, just like there are things that we have to do on the physical side. I mean, if you broke your arm and they have to reset it, it's not going to reset by itself. You have to go to the doctor. They're going to reset it, put it in a cast. Once it's in a cast and it gets healed, they take it off. And if you have to do rehab, you're back to normal as if your arm never broke. So if we have to do something on the physical side to assist this body to heal, then why do we think we don't have to do anything on the soul side to get the pain out? So let's look at uh, 3 John chapter 2. Look in verse 2. And I'm going to read this out of the King James Bible. I love this. He says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in what? Be in health. Watch this though. Even as your soul prospers. So if my soul is not prospering, it is going to hinder my health and it's going to hinder my prosperity. Do you all see that? So my soul is very important. Amen. So how does this work? Okay, let me show you why a lot of us are not healed, even on, on, the, on the emotional level. I'm going to show it to you on a physical side first. Let's say, for instance, uh, a person ended up with lung cancer. And the reason they ended up with lung cancer is because they smoked cigarettes for years. They were a smoker, right? And uh, let's say, for instance, they were believing God for a healing. And God supernaturally healed them. I mean, went to the doctor, lungs clean, lungs regular. But they decided to not stop smoking. Do you think their chances of getting lung cancer again are high or low? High. And it's only because, watch this now, they decided to, watch this, involve themselves in the same activity that got them the cancer. So watch this. It makes no sense for God to heal them because they're going to get it back again. If he heals some of us emotionally, we would end up back hurt again because we can't get rid of the thoughts that hurt us from the beginning. So if some of us got healed emotionally, we wake up the next morning feeling free, and then we walk across the street, 
and see something that triggers the pain that somebody else produced and we are back in that spot again if we don't watch it. Look at your neighbor and say, he's right. So I'm going to give you a take-home statement. Take-home statement. You can just write THS on your paper. You can only renew what your soul allows to come through. You can only renew what your soul allows to come through. Now go to Philippians chapter 4. We're almost finished here. Philippians chapter 4. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Because I thought this was a perfect verse to help us see that we are in control of the condition of our soul. Say this with me. Say, I'm in control of the condition of my soul. See, this keeps everybody out. Meaning that they're not responsible no more for hurting you. At the, to be honest with you, you let them do it anyway. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. If you got hurt, you let them. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially if you're in love. I mean, love will cause you to get hurt. If you can't get hurt and you say you're in love, I don't know if you're in love. How many know we hurt God when we sin? Amen. So we can hurt other people as well. So watch this now. Philippians chapter 4, this is so good. He says, finally, brethren, which means he's talking to Christians, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, read it with me, think on these, say it again, think on these things. He says if it's good, if it's lovely, if it's a good report, if it's a virtue, he says, listen, those are the things that I want you to think about. So watch this now. It's not praiseworthy if it's not think-worthy. I'm going to say that again. If it's not praiseworthy, that means it's not think-worthy. In other words, if it's not worth praise, it's not worth thinking. And some of us are thinking things that don't really result in praise to God. Now, here's the thing. That word think has three different definitions. The word think means in the middle. He's saying, if there be any praise, keep it in the middle, these things. That word, uh, or it means middle voice. So it's the middle voice that he says you need to think on these things. It also means to take inventory or to estimate. So, So what are you estimating or taking inventory against? The word. So when you are experiencing a painful event, he says, only think about the things that are good and are lovely and a good report and, and a virtue. And he says, I, I want you to think on those things. He says, now, the way you think on those things is you need to estimate. You do, need to do an estimate. And you need to have a middle voice so that you can determine if it's praiseworthy or not. If it's not praiseworthy, it's not thinkworthy. Are you with me? So how, here's the last part. We're almost done here. How do we renew? Romans chapter 12, and this will be our last verse. Romans chapter 12, if you'll turn there, verses 2. How do we renew? Because remember, my point is that we can either renew or we can remember. 
In Romans chapter 12, I'm going to point something out. You probably never saw the application of this verse. Notice he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renovating. That's what that word renew means. By the renovating of your mind. Watch this. Let's flip that. If you don't renovate your mind, you will act like people in the world. So what do, how do people in the world act when they're hurt? That's right. You stab me, I stab you. We use that Old Testament scripture that says, you know what? Uh, do, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Those are people who, you know, they, they, they live off songs. You ever know people that live off songs? Smile in your face all the time, won't take your place. Do backstabbers, backstabbers. <laughs> or they sing songs like Janet Jackson. What you have, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> Come on, what's your favorite song? I know you got one. She's talking about we moving on, yeah. He said, if I don't renew my mind, I will keep a mindset that normal people who are not even saved have. So, renovating your mind involves three steps. It's real simple. Three steps. Well, four steps. I said three, but it's really four. Here's the first step to renovating your mind. Because, see, most of us, we think renewing our mind means remembering scripture. No, because you can remember not to cuss people out and do it anyway. It's just not remembering scripture. It's a change of how you process what happens to you. Watch this now. The first thing that we must do to renovate or renew our mind is we must put word in. Because, see, this eventually outgrows the bad thoughts. You know, the word of God, write down Psalm 19.7. It says the law or the word of the Lord is perfect and it converts the soul. You want to fix your soul? You put some word inside and that word will overtake that negative stuff on the inside. It's just like Drano in a toilet. I just recently had a toilet that was stopped up. But I didn't need Drano. I just used a plunger. And everybody say amen. But sometimes if the problem's too deep, you got to go and leave the plunger in the closet and you got to go buy some Drano. And Drano is powerful. It's got some ingredients in that stuff. And it's powerful and it's stinky. And you pour it in there. And that Drano is so powerful. Whatever chemicals they have, it breaks down all that gook. And it might take a while. But next thing you know, it's... <sighs> and everybody say, amen. But sometimes Drano don't work. And you got to call a licensed plumber 
And he might have to bring his snake out. A snake is a device that you shove down into the toilet and he just keeps going and then at the end he rolls it in and it's just (laughs) and the next thing you know and everybody say That's what the word does for your soul. I know it was kind of like, oh, I wouldn't talk about toilets in church. Well, you use them. (laughs) Word in. Here's number two. Bad thoughts down. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians to bring all thoughts captive. You have to do that. Listen, listen. I have to bring thoughts captive. Let me tell you a story. And I, and I, oh, man, I'm out of time. Can I tell you the story, though? So I'm at this AutoZone place. And uh, I, for some reason, I just have an issue with people skipping me. I, I have that problem. Do you have that problem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Years ago, you know, here, well, I wasn't a pastor, but I was a minister, but this dude at the fair started trying, you know, he wanted to, I just saw him. He was standing there just waiting to see who he's going to skip. And I'm like the second person now. We in this long line. How many know you, you stand in that long line, what's those cakes called? You put that sugar on there? Funnel cake? Man, I'm in line for this funnel cake and that line long. And then I get to number two, he going to try to step in front of me? I had heaven with me and she was little. I said, so, I know you're not thinking about trying to skip me. Now, he with his girlfriend. He said, well, what you going to do? I say, do it and see. <laughs> now, he was in the hood, from the hood. She was hoodie too. <laughs> but I was going to beat both of them up in front of my little girl. So I'm in the auto nation or the auto zone, and, and this guy, I'm standing in line. And I don't see, you know how they have multiple cash registers. I don't see him in line. And all of a sudden, the register comes open, and he just walks right by me and gets in. So I hear these thoughts coming. <laughs> how you going to let him do that? He wasn't standing in line. He trying to just punk you and get in front of you. <laughs> all these thoughts start coming. I shut the thoughts up. I, said, I just went up to him and said, uh, did you skip me? And he said, no. Oh, I said, okay, that's cool. So I shut the thoughts down. You got to bring the thoughts down. And you know what? To show the devil to not mess with me, this guy had some kind of air conditioned thing that was like 60 bucks. And when they checked the price, he couldn't afford it. So he was taking it back. I said, no, don't take it back. I will pay for it for you. So instead of me letting the devil have a bad day on me, I flipped that thing around, and that guy was like, wow. He couldn't believe I paid $60 for his little can of air conditioning. How many know you need air in Texas? (laughs) Bad thoughts down. This will help manage what thoughts come in and what thoughts have dominance. Number three is you got to put some word out. This is where your voice, you use your voice to declare that God is using whatever happened to you to work out for your good. Every time you have a thought, 
Oh, that man left me. Father, I thank you that him leaving me is working out for my best. You're working things out that at the end it's going to be better than when I started. You got to open up your mouth and declare it because death and life is in the power of your tongue, not mine for you. Amen. And then here's the last one. Is that you're going to use your mouth to give thanksgiving up to God. Because, see, thanking God for your healing will reduce complaining in your life. Now what you're doing is, see, thankfulness is, is, is proof that God has done it in your mind. So you're just thanking God. Father, thank you that I'm healed. Thank you that I'm whole. Thank you that my soul is prospering. Thank you, Father, that you're working out things together for my good. Thank you, Lord, that whatever happened, God, you're using it in my future to work out things that they may be better in my life. Thanksgiving. And I believe there are some people here today that have been in a whole lot of pain. Now, hear what's happening. Hear what's happening when you're thanking God. You're thanking him so until you see manifestation of healing. Because right. I promise you, it will come. It will come. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, you say, Pastor Evan, I've been struggling with a pain.